0: Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, practical Buddhism for the modern world. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Welcome to Episode 3 of Season 2 of the Toward Light podcast. After Siddhartha Gautama woke up and became the Buddha, he then had a decision to make. What would he do with his time now that he was enlightened? How would he live his life? Would he bask in his awakening on his own, maybe meditating in a cave? Would he share what he had learned with others? From the suttas, here's part of his thought process. This dhamma that I have attained is deep, hard to see, hard to realize, peaceful, refined, beyond the scope of conjecture, subtle, to be experienced by the wise. But this generation delights in attachment, is excited by attachment, enjoys attachment, For a generation delighting in attachment, excited by attachment, enjoying attachment, this that conditionality and dependent co-arising are hard to see. This state too is hard to see, the resolution of all fabrications, the relinquishment of all acquisitions, the ending of craving, dispassion, cessation, unbinding. And if I were to teach the Dhamma, and if others would not understand me, that would be tiresome for me, troubling for me. So he was leaning toward not teaching. But then a dewa, a heavenly spirit, came to talk to him. Much like last episode when I was talking about Mara and seeing Mara as a personification of the difficult parts of the Buddha's mind, in this story I see this dewa as representing the higher part of the Buddha's mind. We all have this wise voice inside of us. That voice can take the whole picture into perspective and offer us wise guidance. And here's what that voice said to him. Lord, let the blessed one teach the Dhamma. Let the one well gone teach the Dhamma. There are beings with little dust in their eyes who are falling away because they do not hear the Dhamma. There will be those who will understand the Dhamma. And so the Buddha realized that while he couldn't maybe affect everyone, there were people who could hear his teachings, could hear the Dhamma, the truth. There were people caught in the trap of samsara, the trap of this life and death cycle that had little dust in their eyes and could experience liberation too. So the Buddha made the decision to teach, and the energy that drove him to make this decision was compassion. In my experience, compassion can often be misunderstood or watered down. So I want to share some general things about compassion and then look at ways that this story can teach us about compassion. In Pali, the language that the Buddha spoke, the word is karuna. Karuna is the heart quality that arises when faced with difficulty, whether it's in yourself or in another. I've heard it described as the quivering of the heart in response to pain. The near enemies, the things that can masquerade as compassion but are not compassion, are pity and despair. Sometimes we can be feeling true Karuna in one moment, and then it morphs into pity or despair, and then shifts back into Karuna, and on and on. Our job is to learn the subtle signs in our body, hearts, and minds that let us know compassion is present. The far enemy or opposite of Karuna is cruelty, so if any form of cruelty or aversion is present, it's a good sign that it may be time to try and access Karuna. In this story of the Buddha's decision to teach, he saw the suffering in people, and that moved his heart, so he experienced compassion. Then, from that experience of compassion, he chose what to do next. Sharon Salzberg says Compassion is the strength that arises out of seeing the true nature of suffering in the world. There are a lot of ways that we can get in touch with compassion. And perhaps in a future episode, I'll get more in depth with instructions on practices to cultivate Karuna. But for now, I just want you to taste the flavor of compassion, so that as I share thoughts about the Buddha's decision to teach and compassion, you can have a clear connection to the topic. I'm going to guide a brief reflection practice. As always, you can do this eyes open or closed. If you're walking or driving, you can still do this in your mind. Bring to mind someone you know but aren't super close to in your life who's going through something unpleasant. Maybe a coworker broke a leg or your neighbor just had a breakup. Bring that person to mind, hold them, an image of them, and notice what arises in you. Is there some movement in your heart to care? What does their pain bring up in your body, in your heart, in your mind? What is the flavor of your thinking as you think about this person and hold them in your heart? Be with this experience in your body, in your heart, and your mind. See how it changes. See if refreshing the image of the person makes it stronger or weaker. See if your thoughts or feelings are moving toward pity or despair. Get really curious. How does your heart respond when faced with pain? And letting that reflection go, feeling your feet on the ground, maybe stretching your jaw or taking a couple deep breaths. The Buddha's decision to teach the Dharma is such an important one for my understanding of compassion, and I'm going to share five reasons why. For starters, it wasn't the Buddha's first impulse to act from a place of compassion, right? His first impulse, even after becoming enlightened, was to rest and enjoy his freedom and peace. That is such a relief, because my first instinct is often selfish or self-preserving, and the fact that even the Buddha didn't immediately make the compassionate choice is a relief. It takes the pressure off. I often feel like if my initial thought when faced with pain is judgment or aversion, that I've immediately lost or failed in some way. So there's a normalization that happens when I hear this story. Now, compassion was the Buddha's second thought. It's not always my second thought. Sometimes it's third or fourth. But that's okay. I used the example last episode of dropping something in the kitchen and my initial thought often being critical. But my second or third thought is often a movement of compassion. Everyone makes mistakes or, oh, sorry, that happened. Whenever that compassion happens, even if it's hours later, it's valuable and we need to honor it. Just because it's not the initial thing doesn't mean it's not important or valuable. Another way this story helps me understand compassion is this idea of the compassionate thought coming from an external source in the story coming from a deity. Karuna for me sometimes comes naturally from inner wisdom, and the more I emphasize it, the more naturally it occurs. But sometimes there's someone or something that helps point me toward compassion. Some examples. I drop something in the kitchen. My husband has compassion for me, which reminds me to have compassion for myself. I have overwhelming anger and despair at state-sponsored police violence. And then seeing a post from an organization doing boots-on-the-ground work reminds me I don't need to get lost in the anger. There are avenues to compassionate action. Or I'm walking by a homeless person, I see someone else make eye contact, connect with them, and it reminds me of that possibility that I can do the same. So all of these examples are just ways that if I'm paying attention, even if compassion isn't my first thought, if it's somebody else's or even their second or third, it can really connect me into that. So I need to be surrounded by others who can help remind me to come from a place of Karuna. The third way that this story helps me to understand compassion is that, at first, the Buddha did not see the potential of his compassion or the potential to make a difference. He saw all other human beings as being taken in by greed and not able to take in the teachings. And he had to remember that there were beings with little dust in their eyes who could benefit from the teachings. He didn't know how or if his compassionate action would change anything, but he realized it was important to at least try. Sometimes when I'm experiencing compassion, especially for the big pains in the world, like racism and gun violence and hunger, I'm not able to stay in compassion long. I devolve into hopelessness and to despair. And so the reminder in this story that we don't need to know exactly how our compassion will make a difference or who we will affect, but that we just keep being moved in compassionate ways, and that is enough. Ruth King describes compassion this way. The word compassion literally means to suffer with others, to feel what they feel, and I would add to feel without papancha, without adding layers of distress. So when an image or a story comes across my desk dealing with hunger, I can notice my tendency toward despair And see if I can just stay with it, stay with that initial quivering of my heart in response to this pain, be with these people experiencing this hunger without getting lost. Because then if I'm feeling true compassion, then I have the possibility to be moved to compassionate action. And so that's the fourth thing I'm reminded of from this story is that compassion arises internally first. And then what is revealed is the steps to compassionate action. So often we need to be with the feelings of compassion before we see a way forward. The Buddha saw the suffering in the world and felt compassion, but it wasn't until he got clear that there were some beings that could benefit from his teachings that then he made the decision to teach. Bhikkhu Inaliyo says, the proper way to teach is when one is just motivated by the wish to benefit others. And that was the Buddha's motivation. He'd already reached the ultimate level of realization, so his teachings were solely for the benefit of others. Like he said in the beginning, he knew it would be vexing for him, he knew it would be challenging, but he did it out of a place of compassion. The final thing I want to say about this story, to link it back to this springtime theme of birth and renewal, is to remind you that self-compassion is what brought you here, listening to this podcast right now. You saw some level of difficulty or pain in your life, or someone else's life, which moved your heart, which in turn moved you to begin to look for what might bring you some ease. And you found your way to this podcast, or to Buddhism, or to me. Just like Siddhartha went seeking for answers because he was moved by the pain of the world, the beginning of all of our paths starts with compassion, whether it's for ourselves or for others. So as we develop our path and practice and look toward deepening our understanding of compassion, we can know that Karuna led us here. We already know it. Thank you for listening. Please check out any links in the show notes. You can find me on my website, towardlight.net, or on Instagram at towardlight108.